Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. So my guest here on Hot Takes on a Plate on the Believe Podcast Network is somebody that I've been wanting to talk to for a long time because I personally feel like I had a, an odd sort of road into the food world, and I thought it was a fairly unique road. And then I learned more and more about my guest, Jamie Sire, and I went, holy cow, like there are a lot of parallels here. The The difference is being she's had a lot more success, and <laughs> she... Um, <laughs> The timeline has been a little bit different, but you know, we we both right now are hosting podcasts. She has a podcast, Food Network Obsessed, where she interviews Food Network personalities. You should check it out. But um, we both started in local news. Uh, we both were sports reporters and sports anchors, but she did that at the Worldwide Leader in Sports. Uh, I was uh, a humble, uh, as as we called it in the un-PC days, the one-man band. Uh, <laughs> I think it's multimedia journalist now, lugging my own cameras and stuff in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, we also have both been laid off of what would be considered dream jobs by a lot of people and have had to face that adversity. And we both have had pivots in our careers. And so... Um, it's nice to always talk to somebody who does what you do, but somebody who's done it in the weird fashion that you've done it in, I think is really interesting. So Jamie, thank you so much for, for taking the time. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It, it was so uh, interesting listening to kind of list off your, uh, your career path as well, because uh, like you said, it, there's so many similarities. So I'm excited to, to dive into some of them. Yeah. So I'm curious, kind of like, let's start not too far at the beginning, but I'm curious kind of how, how you transitioned into food, because for me, it was like, like a happy accident. I was a sports reporter and anchor in Memphis. I ended up moving to New York for my wife's job. She had followed me for a couple of jobs and it was her turn. And I'm, I'm from upstate New York. So I was happy to, to come back home, but I did it right when the economy tanked in late 2008, oh, early no. 2009. I thought I was getting out of TV. I thought I was done. And I happened to hook up with a fledgling channel, Fios One News, that was just starting out. I was one of their original news reporters. And I had an idea for a dining segment that became a TV show that lasted nine years. And Amazing. so and so it was just sort of a, I was a guy who liked to eat and it started like, you know, just like a fun thing to do. And then it became a rabbit hole of obsession that turned into something else. And so I'm curious for you, like, like how, you know, I was saying before that the timelines in our careers are different. You know, my big sort of dream job layoff was with the show I hosted, Restaurant Hunter, after okay. nine seasons. But yours was in the sports realm. And that's when you pivoted to food. So how did that all come to be? Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think similar to you, you know, I was I was doing local news. I had switched uh, to sports um, as more of my focus and, and just the more places that I kind of lived um, in, in my life, you know, I studied abroad in Barcelona. My second job was in San Diego. I then moved to San Francisco. So, um, I think I just became more, you know, enamored with, you know, food and just kind of experiencing different places, cities, cultures through food. 
Um, and then I think also living in California for 10 years where you just have a constant source of fresh produce. You know, I, I started signing up for CSA boxes and that kind of thing. And I just became kind of like you, like, like obsessed with it. And um, I was always talking about it. I was reading other people's blogs. Um, and so I was working in San Francisco, uh, uh, working for, um, well, at the time it was CSN Bay Area. It's now NBC Bay Area, but a regional sports network in the Bay Area, essentially. Like SNY is here, yeah, the S exactly. network in New York. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, yeah, I had a, uh, a field producer one time, you know, when we were at, at a Giants game because that was kind of my main beat. Um, and she was like, you talk about food all the time. Like, why don't you start your own <laughs> blog? And I was like... Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe that's a good idea. And so, yeah, I started um, my blog, eisforeat.com. Uh, oh, gosh, I think it was 2011. And it was really just a side project, like a passion project. It wasn't anything that was meant to really, you know, be a source of income necessarily. It was more of something that I could do when I wasn't working, just kind of as a creative outlet. Um, so I, I was actually, I blogged a lot during those first like years, those first couple of years. I don't actually know how I did it, um, because I was working full time and I, like there were weeks where I was putting out like five or six blog posts and I like now knowing how much work I put into it, I don't really understand how I did it. Um, but anyways, I, that was just kind of something that I did because I enjoyed it. Um, I ended up getting, you know, hired at ESPN and, you know, they really liked that I had, you know, kind of this side interest as well. You know, obviously sports was, was the main focus, but, um, you know, like whenever we had, you know, a food person come in, um, like Bobby Flay or, or different people that had been on top chef, um, it was always like, Oh, well, Jamie has to do the interview or is this the, uh, they call it the, uh, what is it? The, the ESPN car wash. Car wash. Yeah. The car yeah, wash. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so it was fun, you know, and I, I continued the blog not as frequently because the, t the time demands at ESPN are a little bit more than they were in regional sports, but yeah, it was just like something that I really was interested in and, and kind of started to feel like it was something I wanted to pursue eventually. Um, I knew that it was going to be kind of hard to, to make that pivot just because, you know, everybody knew me in the sports world. Not really that many people knew me in the food world. Um, well, and that's something that drives me crazy. Yeah. Is that is that once you get known in one world, you're labeled as if you can't do anything else. It's like, yeah. oh, oh, Jamie only has an interest in sports. Like, who only has an interest in sports, right? right? Yeah, they put you in a box, right? You get, exactly. you get put in a box very early and it's like, well, you can't get out of that box. So um, yeah, I mean, I was just interested in it. I was like kind of quietly, you know, making my connections. Um, you know, as I mentioned, we had Bobby Flay uh, in, in on the car wash uh, one of the days. And so, and basically, by the way, for, car wash just means like they bring in a big name guest and they like kind of run them through all the shows that ESPN has. So I think Bob Lee was the one that kind of coined that phrase many years ago. Um, but I was doing the morning show. So I think he, he, like we were his first stop on the car wash. And, um, so I got to do a pretty long segment with him, like an interview. And then we went to commercial break and then we had, you know, some of the chefs from our cafeteria come out and, you know, kind of do like a little mini, like be Bobby Flay type thing, um, just competing against each other. And we judged it. And I was so nervous. I remember like, cause they were like about to rush him off to the next thing. Cause we went to commercial and I quickly said, you know, are you guys still taping, you know, new episodes of beat Bobby Flay? And he's like, yeah, you want to be on the show? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I do. He's like, all right, we'll talk. We'll talk. And, um, 
And so we just became friends and he's been an amazing mentor to me. Um, I definitely credit him with a lot of my connections at Food Network um, and my ability to kind of, you know, make my my space in that world. So we taped a, an episode of Beat Bobby Flay um, later that year. And then, you know, that, that was in December, I think. And then in March, I taped an episode of, they flew me out to LA and I was, I judged on uh, Food Network Star, which he also was a host on, um, those episodes had not aired. And then in April, uh, I got laid off. So, um, you know, it was obviously that was a huge blow, um, you know, career wise, self-esteem wise, like a, a number of different things, but I kind of took it as a sign, like, all right, I've been thinking about making this pivot. Like this is my opportunity. So I kind of just went, you know, jump feet first into it. And uh, I'm still, you know, I'm still working on it. I'm still trying to, you know, really make my way. But I think, um, you know, over the last four years, I've definitely had some amazing opportunities and hopefully those continue. No, absolutely. You have. And it's funny because Bobby Flay actually was my first big like celebrity food interview I did in the food world. I started doing the show I did for Fios One Restaurant Hunter in 2011 and I, you know, I was nervous doing it because I wasn't like a food expert. I was, mm -hmm. I, I was an enthusiast. Like I right. liked eating and I liked going out, but I, you know, I felt a little bit of imposter syndrome. I don't know if you've ever felt that I, way. I feel that all the time, all it, the time. And, and, you know, obviously over time that For changes. For no reason. Well, you know, no, I'm... because it changes. You become an expert. You, you right. study it, you learn it. I mean, it's like, I never, it's weird because I never felt imposter syndrome covering sports, even though I never played no. in the NFL. Same, same. You know, I never played in the NBA or anything like that but like I for some reason I felt imposter syndrome doing food because I wasn't a chef mm -hmm. and that's always the route but with Bobby Flay I remember like I'm not somebody who gets starstruck really I mean especially like you know look I doing sports I was in NBA locker rooms right. and all that stuff and like you know it, it didn't phase me but something about seeing Bobby Flay was kind of like oh shit like, <laughs> and, and, like it's kinda, I don't know what it was it was just kind of like an oh shit kind of moment but you know once the lights go on it's it's in the cameras right. rolling it's 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 normal and stuff but um I actually too have done beat Bobby Flay but you've done it as a host I've done it as a guest judge for for 30 seconds okay so, yes a little so bit again different. this is you leveling up on everything that I've <laughs> no, done um, uh, yeah no I mean it's it's still like a great you know experience either way especially just to see you know how that that machine that it's is a machine. Bobby. It is oh a machine. Oh my god! You know, they it's, do, it's just they tape they, two episodes a day. It's just it's a well-oiled machine. Also, I remember by the way. like the thing that stuck out to me about that experience was you know being somebody who who does a show in the field, smaller crew, all that stuff. You know the number of cameras, and there was one point where a camera died or something happened. There was a technical issue, and it reminded me of like NASCAR with a pit crew. It was like <laughs> the kind of thing. It was, that's the kind of thing that like in the field would slow us down by like a half hour or something stupid. It was like literally like 30 seconds later, it was like up and running. And I was like, oh, my God, like this. <laughs> so this is the big leagues. Yeah, no, it's uh, no, it's very impressive to uh, to be part of that show. I mean, any any show on Food Network, actually, you know, they, they have it down and it's very it's very well put together and organized. Um, but definitely that was, you know, kind of the experience, I think, that that helped 
you know, catapult me into um, being a more credible and, um, you know, just a personality in this space. But like I said, still, still fighting for that uh, every single day. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I, you know, we were talking about with, with the ESPN situation, you know, I, I too, my, my layoff was again with Restaurant Hunter and it was probably, I'm assuming like you, a little bit of a blind side. Like I was actually on vacation when I got the news oh, that this wow. was all going down. And it was, I guess it was like late 2019. And then, um, you know, the pandemic followed shortly after. But I I don't think people realize just how much, look, look, any layoff is is hard. I don't care what job you do, what, what field you're in. That's always hard. But I think what makes it a little bit harder when you do what we do is that whether we like it or not, so much of our identities are wrapped in that when you're, especially when you're on TV and you're the face of something, it's like, that's how people know you, whether you want to be known for that or not, you know, you're Jamie Sire sports center, mm-hmm. you know, I was Rob Patron restaurant hunter. And it's like your identity gets stripped from you. Like, how did you deal with that? Uh, I mean, it was, it was hard. You know, I, it, it was, it wasn't a, and it wasn't a blindside, you know, because we, we had been hearing these rumors for months that ESPN was going to be doing some layoffs. Um, you know, initially I did not think that I was in, in jeopardy of losing my job. I, you know, I, we had recently launched sports center AM, you know, the, the feedback had been really good, um, from the fans and that kind of thing, at least like stuff that I saw personally. Um, and we had fun, like, that was a fun show. Like, even though I had to get up, you know, 3:45 in the morning. Uh. Um it was like we had fun. We had a really good crew. I still like keep in touch with um you know everybody from that show. We had so much fun. And so initially I, I was like, you know what? We're fine. Like I'm fine because we have this show. Um and then you know I started to learn some you know some more plans about what they had, you know, in store for the morning lineup going forward and that's when I started to get a little bit nervous. I don't know what it was. I had I just had a weird feeling. Everyone around me was like, you have nothing to worry about. They love you. You just signed a new contract. Um, you know, I, I just signed a new contract yeah, too. And yep. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I just had a weird feeling in my gut. And um, I think the worst part about it was, you know, the day that it happened, um, we were on air um, when we started getting some of the news that certain people, I think maybe Ed Warder had been laid off and had announced it on Twitter during our, like we had seen it, you know, on Twitter during our show, like looking during commercial breaks and that kind of thing. Um, so we got off the air and we were walking, you know, to have our post-show meeting. And I got a call from one of my supervisors who asked me to meet in a, you know, I don't remember which building it was, you know, there's so many buildings on campus there. And I just knew, I just like started crying immediately. Um, you know, my friend Serena's right there and she's like, what? And I'm like, I, like I showed her who called and she was like, no, I'm like, yeah, I think so. And, and so I, you know, I went and, you know, sure enough, that's, you know, there was an HR person and you know how it goes, but, um, you know, I think the aftermath, I think it was, it was definitely like a hard pill to swallow for sure. Um, I think once I had a little bit of time to like really assess what had happened, um, you know, I, it, it didn't take me as long as I think it, maybe should have to, to get over it. I think because, um, well, for one, they honored my contract. So I, you know, I was able to have the financial stability, um, for a little bit after, after the layoff. Um, and I think, you know, surprisingly, I kind of felt this like wave of 
relief in a way, um, only because I think I was burned out <laughs> and I didn't know it. Yeah, we have a uh, lot in common. Yeah, I think I was burned out. I didn't realize it until, you know, they were like, don't come to work anymore. <laughs> um, and then I realized, wait, I don't have to get up at 4 a.m. anymore. And, you know, like different things like that. And and also th- this opportunity to really pursue something that I was very passionate about and wanted to pursue anyways. Um but no question, like it's an ego hit. Um, like you said, that's kind of your identity. And and as much as it's like, oh, it's it's business, you know, we just need to, you know, cut costs and everything, you it definitely feels like a personal like yes. attack on your skills and on your personality. And it's like, well, why don't they want me? And why do they want this other person? And and at the end of the day, you kind of just have to realize it's business. And it it was probably a numbers game. It probably had zero to do with my performance. Oh, absolutely. Um, and yes. that's, the, that's the challenge with all of it. It's like, in, you know, in my situation, Verizon was getting out of the content game. They mm. ended three channels. They pulled okay. the plug on three TV channels and 150 people lost their jobs. And it had, I mean, we had the, the, the most popular show on, on all the networks, the most popular original show. It didn't matter. It wasn't, it had nothing to do with me, but, but yet you feel like outwardly, like, I don't want to, I never felt, I don't want to use the word embarrassed, but there is that feeling of like, no, there is will, some of that. Yeah. But yeah, like, will people judge me, even mm-hmm. though it had nothing to do with me? And when I go looking for that next job, will people say, well, what did he do wrong? Even though I, there was no way of preventing that at all. No, no, no no way. Because, you know, I look at the list of people that, you know, got laid off that day and so many talented people. And You just said Ed Werder. He's been there for how long? Oh, my gosh. There were so many people. I mean, I think Ed's now back with ESPN. I'm not sure. Um, But, yeah, I mean, there were so many people on that list that that didn't necessarily deserve to be let go. It was just, you know, they needed to cut costs. The, The easiest way to do that is to cut talent. And unfortunately I was, you know, right probably in that sweet spot of like, all right, I'm not, I'm not in my first contract at the network. I'm not in my crazy high contract at the network, you know, people that have been there for, you know, decades. So it was just making just enough where it was like, all right, we could save some money with, with her being gone. And, And isn't it interesting, you kind of alluded to it, how when you're on that hamster wheel running nonstop, there's no time to sort of reflect. And then when something like that happens, you do get like that moment to pause and reflect and say, well, wait a second, this was working, but this wasn't working. And, you know, like you start to think more about your, you know, your, 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 your mental health, your physical Mm -hmm. health, your emotional well-being. Uh, What was that reflection period like for you? Yeah, I think, you know, you you start to think about like, what, what do I really want to do? Because, you know, when, when ESPN is offering you a job or offering you a second contract, like, you're going to take it, right? You know, that's such a, an amazing opportunity, um, an amazing platform. And you don't really have a chance to, to think about like, well, what else do I want to do in my life? Um, so when you're kind of forced to do that very quickly, I think, you know, like all those emotions, like kind of happened very, very fast for me. Um, but you know, I have, I, I say this all the time as well. Like I, I actually have no bitterness towards ESPN about what happened. You know, I, they gave me an incredible, um, platform and opportunity throughout the four years I was there. Um, I had so much fun. I I made so many great connections. Um, and I think the only thing that I was kind of bitter about is like, I had just 
purchased a home in, in West Hartford like six months prior uh, because I was uh, like, oh, I just signed a contract. I should probably, you know, invest in, in some real estate. Be a grown estate. up. Yeah, right? You know, that's I, I, never again. I'm not, you know, I don't need to be Because I, I think people don't realize <laughs> that when you're on that career path that you were on there, it's a little bit nomadic. There's mm-hmm. a lot of like every two or three years resettling because yep. every job level up, it's a new city, a new whatever. And you end up in that rental mentality, that short-term mentality. So here you are saying, well, it's ESPN. Where else am I going after this? This is the top. Time to plant roots. And then it's like the roots get pulled out. Right. Yeah. So that was the only thing that was kind of a bummer is, you know, having to sell a house that you just purchased a year prior. Um, But, you know, everything else, like, you know, I wouldn't have had the connections at Food Network that I have if it hadn't been for ESPN. Like, I feel like it's so cheesy to say, like, everything happens for a reason, but it kind of does, you know. At the time, it's hard to 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 grasp that, but I I think being able to look back and say like I had this great opportunity, and now it's you know helping me with my current opportunities. Um, so uh, yeah, it was it, the reflection period. I think I mean it's still going, but I think for me it, it it happened pretty quickly. I think even the next day, I remember you know sleeping in. We had a bunch of people over to my house that night. Like all my friends came over. We basically just had a Jamie got laid off party impromptu. Um, and so I woke up the next morning. I had you know I remember I had like 187 text messages or something and 10 voicemails. And I just started going through all of them and you know just like so many kind words and also like this realization like. I didn't have to get up at four this morning (laughs) (laughs) and they're still going to pay me for a little while. So, um, for me, it happened really quick, but I think, um, I think that's not normal. <laughs> and you never forget, you mentioned all the text messages. You know, ne- I personally never forget the people who were there right away, mm-hmm. you know, like when they hear the news, um, cause like you, mine was, it was pretty public what happened. And, um, it's like there are certain people, sometimes it's people you don't expect who like reach out and are like, hey, I want to have a meeting. Let's talk about yeah. your next steps. And those are the people that you're like, okay, this is somebody that like, like that's awesome. Like, you yeah. know, like people don't have to, especially in this industry, I feel like there's a lot of people in this industry who who are not gracious. Like they, they can be your friend, mm-hmm. but the minute you're like, hey, do you know this person? It's like that competitive kind of wall goes Totally. Up. Yeah. No, I mean, I remember that. I, I specifically remember um, – you know, my boyfriend at the, well, I mean, it's still my boyfriend now, but he, he, at the time we had only been dating a couple of months and he was actually on his way from New York to, on the train just to, just to visit for a couple of days. Cause I had planned to, to go to LA, um, later that week as it was. And so I like picked him up and, um, you know, we went home and, you know, he kind of orchestrated it with the help of, um, some, some of my friends at ESPN, um, from the makeup department, but like, so many people just started showing up with wine and cheese and pizza. And it was just like, so it felt so good to like, you know, in a, in a terrible moment to know that, you know, like the friendships I made there are the most important. And that's like what I I will cherish. It's it's not about the job. It's about, it's about the people, you know, like, like life is about people. Jobs Mm -hmm. are replaceable, but people, you know, really aren't. But, you know, you were kind of hitting on it before you were talking about how, the connections you made. And it's just funny because we're in an industry where you have to work so hard to get to where you are. Like, like it's such a fight to climb Mm. that ladder. And yet sometimes the biggest career successes are just accidents. Like if Bobby Flay had not come through the car wash, 
would you be in the position you are with Food Network? Maybe not. Like, yeah, I you mean, know, it, like you it's know, just you never know. But like, I, yeah, you you just like I look to that moment, like you said, and it's it was you know a happy accident, and uh, I'm so thankful for that and for all of the connections that have come from that. Um, you know, and, and I think that's why, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, doing a podcast and, and hosting, you know, a podcast for Food Network. And that's um, not to say you don't work for it. That's, no. I, I don't want to, you know, but it's like, it's just that whole thing of like, you're in this industry where sometimes you over plan, right? Like mm-hmm. you're in this mindset of like, I've got, okay, I got to get here. I got to get there. Let me plan this. Let me do this. And sometimes it's not the planning that, that does it for you. Sometimes you, you're putting in the hard work, which is building the foundation, but it's like just that one chance encounter that sparks something. Yeah, no. And I, and I still, you know, you know, I, I, I love the podcast so much. I hope that it continues for many years. Um, but I also miss TV, you know, I miss, um, kind of being able to, to connect with people in that medium as well. And so I think, you know, the pandemic has been hard because it halted a lot of things that I had some momentum going, um, within, yep. you know, food and lifestyle television stuff. So I'm still waiting for, I, I need another, I need another happy accident to happen, I think. Um, but for now I'm very, I'm very, very content, um, you know, doing the podcast and being able to, you know, interview all these amazing talent that, that appear across, you know, Food Network and Discovery. So, um, but yeah, to your point, it's, you know, you have to, you have to put in the work, but also sometimes it's just, you know, being right place, right time kind of thing. Well, let's, let's talk about the podcast for a second, because I think one of the, obviously, since we both come from journalism backgrounds and we both come from, you know, I mean, yes, sports, but, but, but it's sports journalism. I think, that changes probably the way we approach things. You know, I think a lot of food media who come to it as food first, media second, probably approach things differently than we do. Yeah. And I'm very appreciative of Food Network and the people there for kind of, you know, recognizing that my background could lend itself very well to this, this medium. Um, I think the thing that I like most about it, um, you know, being in, in TV, as you know, and, and especially like, local news and, and even, even at ESPN, you know, you'll, you'll be like, oh, we have, um, so-and-so coming in for this interview, you know, whether it's Bobby Flay or an athlete or whoever it was. And it's like, all right, this is going to be three minutes or it's going to be five minutes. And it was, you know, it's like, you have time for three questions or something. And so I love, you know, the longer format, um, as, as you, as everybody listening, if they're still listening can tell, I tell very long stories as my, my friends give me a hard time about, but, um, I think it's, it's nice to be able to, to do that and, and let the guests tell their stories as well. And I don't know, I think it's a lot of fun because like so much of TV is like, let's cut it into a 30 second soundbite. Yes. And, and this allows you to, to kind of breathe a little bit more. Well, and it's just, it's such a, I, I've, I've found I've over time approached interviews for podcasts differently. Like I find myself growing and learning. Like it used to be, I would approach it like TV where you know, in TV, you're, you're one, you're asking questions often that lend themselves to visuals. Like if you're mm-hmm. doing a story, you want to be able to, to use B-roll and cover it and kind of tell a story visually. But also a lot of times if I was doing like a segment on Restaurant Hunter, even if it was a six, seven minute segment and I was doing like a longer form interview, there had to be a certain flow to the interview. I was like, everything was much more scripted. Mm-hmm. And this not only allows for off the cuff, but it allows for a lot more, I, I find myself actually scripting out fewer questions now mm-hmm. 
and just listening to people and responding to what they say and making it more of a conversation where in TV, you really can't do that as much. Yeah, I think the key word that you said there is, you know, listening. I think sometimes in TV, you want to do that. You you like the idea of, right, like asking a follow-up question that leads to a really great answer. But so many times it's like, oh, no, I have to get to this next question. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, with podcasting, I think you can you can really listen to what somebody's saying and and just kind of hone in on that. And and that's when you, I think, find some of the really cool stories or responses that you might not read if you did your research on that person. You know, like it's a story that like only came about because you asked this question and the next question and the next question and then it kind of just kind of unfolds from there. So I think listening is um, is definitely the key and it's it, it's a lot of fun because I think the conversation and, and having more of a conversational um, format, I think is, I think is most entertaining to, to listen to. Now, are you doing your interviews via Zoom or are you doing them in person at this point? What's the kind of mix there? We are doing them via Zoom for now. I mean, I, I would hope, I hope that someday we'll have like a cool studio where we can have like our guests in, but we launched the podcast, you know, during the pandemic, right. they, they reached out in, I think, November or December, we launched in January. So um, I think for now, you know, even though, as I'm sure you know, there's some always some technical issues, you know, with with doing things um, remotely, um, you know, I think it's probably easiest and um, cost effective at the moment to do it this way. But I, I would love to be, you know, in studio at some point, because I think, you know, it is great to see the person at least over Zoom, but I think kind of kind of having that interaction and that that feeling for how the conversation flow is going, you can't replicate um, without being in person. It's funny because I go back and forth on like I, I when I started doing this podcast, it was right after um, my show had ended, and it was it actually it's it's morphed because of COVID. Because originally it was basically an excuse for me to visit friends in the food world in person. <laughs> like, okay, here's an excuse to go visit someone, and we'll record a podcast and have a fun conversation, and it'll well, we were gonna originally just like debate like kind of hot topic food stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hot takes, right? It's like right. a sort of a send up on it. And then COVID hit and that just felt kind of silly. And then I wasn't going in person anymore and it kind of morphed. And I think it morphed more into what I enjoy doing more, quite frankly, which is having conversations. But mm-hmm. um, I actually think in some ways Zoom is great because sometimes you're not, you're not, t- look, you're talking to food network personalities. They're used to being sort of in that live environment, if you will. And when you're in person, it feels a little bit more live and there's like probably a little, bit more a little bit yes, more pressure. Yeah, exactly. And I think zoom kind of lends itself to this idea of like, people feel more comfortable. Maybe they're sitting in their pajamas. I mean, I'm wearing, I'm wearing gym shorts right now (laughs) and there's this relaxed vibe about it. I think sometimes people feel more comfortable that way. Yeah. You know, that's a really good point that I hadn't thought of, but I, I, I think you're right. You know, I, I think back to like, you know, different, you know, interviews that I've done and where those people have been for those interviews or, you know, you know, the women didn't have to have, you know, full hair and makeup done. And, you know, my favorite thing about podcasting, I don't don't have to worry about how I look on a camera. Even guys have to worry about that. And I love it because, you you know, if you are in a studio, I think, you know, it would be obviously a natural and a lot of podcasts do this, you know, a natural thing to, 
also get the video clips and either put that on YouTube or at least use it for social media or something like that. So um, that is a good point. Like, I think it is, it's definitely more casual. It's, it's more relaxed, but having not done it in person, I guess I don't have anything to compare it to, <laughs> but, um, but I think that's a great point that, that you bring up and it's, it's certainly, you know, makes it more flexible for scheduling, I guess, too. You know, it's not like this person has to be in New yep. York. Um, you know, they can just be, like you said, like in their living room, they just need, we just need an hour of their time or, or whatever it is. And, um, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a lot more casual, like in a good way. Like it's, it's more, um, it's more conversational probably. And, and you've done some cooking demos too, right? For Food Network. You've done stuff for the kitchen app. Is that correct? I, yeah, I do. Actually, okay. I have one tonight. Okay. <laughs> I know this is not airing, um, today, right, but, right. but yeah, no, I, I, I probably, I mean, I did, I was starting to do them more of them before the pandemic. Hit. I feel like that's like everyone has that story. Like, well, and then the pandemic hit. Um, and then they started doing them from home, from people's homes as well. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. It's like an app on your phone, um, that they are able to kind of like remote into your phone and connect it to the app. So yeah, it's uh, I do probably on average, like a couple of months, um, which is really fun. And it's usually stuff that they, you know, they've taken from my blog and repurposed for, um, the app. Like, obviously we have to pick things that can be mostly done within, you know, 30 minutes or 40 minutes or like, you know, that kind of thing. But I will say sometimes it is more work to do them at home. Um, because you know, I, I am the food stylist and I, I do the dishes and I have to do the swap if they're, you know, if we need to. But I'm wondering, I actually feel like your skills as a, a, a former sports anchor probably play into that pretty well. Because I think one of the things people don't realize about sports journalists that make them different from regular news journalists and whatnot is we're really good at ad-libbing. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you're doing highlights and, you know, that kind of thing, you're, 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 and often you're getting highlights given to you at the last minute and you don't really have a whole lot of information in front of you and you just have to talk. And it's like, like, if, like when I, there were times where I had to cover news after doing sports. And I think a lot of the news people are like, oh, what's the sports guy going to do here? Ha ha. And then it was like, they would see me ad libbing in the field and were like, wait a second. <laughs> and I think that ability to ad lib when you're cooking, but also the ability to, be your own producer in your head because mm -hmm. when you're anchoring, you have that internal clock always ticking 30 seconds, 10 seconds. We have mm -hmm. to, we have a hard out. We have a commercial break. It's like, you can kind of probably time the cooking demo in a way that a, a chef would have a hard time doing. I, I mean, I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause I tell people that all the time. Um, I, I say, I literally say all the time, I think if you can do sports broadcasting, you can do anything in TV. And if you can part. do sports videography, you can do any well, kind of that, videography. That too. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think there's been so many times, like you said, like you're handed a shot sheet of, you know, like a highlight that you haven't seen because the game just got over and somebody just edited it and handed you this information. So you're doing that or, you know, breaking news. Like we would get that a lot, um, especially on the morning show, um, and being able to ad lib that or them being like, we're, we're getting this person on, um, to talk about this breaking news and you have very little information, but you know, I think that the ad lib and certainly doing sports centers that were three or four hours long, I think, you know, I can, I can talk for a real long time if I have to. So I think, um, I think it lends itself well, definitely to the, the live cooking demos and even, even taped shows, you know, I, I, I was fortunate that I, 
uh, was hired for the, as a floor reporter for Iron Chef Showdown the summer I got right after I got laid off from ESPN. And a lot of that is live to tape, especially the cooking stuff. Some of my like little intros or, or like introducing our judges, we would tape after, but even that, you know, I would memorize it. And I remember the first day on set, you know, everything's running late because it's the first day and they're like, all right, we have to still do Jamie's, you know, intros. Um, you know, we, we did it or we went to go do it and they're like, all right, go. And I, I ran through, you know, my, my script and like, it was quiet in my ear, my <laughs> IFB. And I'm, I was just thinking, oh my gosh, like, what did I do wrong? Like, what are they going to say? And then the director said to me, uh, okay. Okay, well, I think we got it. <laughs> they were shocked. I think they were just shocked that I did it in one take. Um, and I think you're just so used to being live all the time. Yeah. Like you don't get to to start over and 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 do it again when you're live. And so I think approaching, you know, even even taped shows with that live mentality is very helpful. I think that also is why you know the the podcast. I I think my skills like lend very yeah. well to the podcast as well because yes. We, we might edit some things here and there, but for the most part, it's as live, you know? So what's the, uh, what's the end game here? What's the, the uh, ultimate, uh, dream position? I mean, ultimate dream position would be, you know, some form of a, you know, a, a food and travel, like lifestyle show where I am the host and I get to, you know, you know, travel to different places and, and tell these stories through food, probably very similar to, to what you did for a very long time. Um, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of us, you know, look at, you know, somebody like Anthony Bourdain and, and that's, you know, that's, that's the dream. Right. Um, but I, I also know that some of those shows are, are kind of not as common these days and, and certainly not as sellable. Yeah. So I think, but who knows, like maybe some, some sort of hybrid of, of that and, and something else. I mean, I, I would love to definitely host my own show, but I would be more than happy, you know, also in, in something like a floor reporter role where, you know, I kind of am doing what I did in sports, but in the food world, I think, you know, I had a lot of fun doing that for, for Iron Chef Showdown. Cause it, I likened it to like sideline reporting. Essentially it was very, very similar in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the dream is, is doing what I love, um, on television, in the food world and, you know, making a good living doing it. Absolutely. Well, you're definitely on your way, Jamie. Thank you so much for the time. Check out Food Network Obsessed, um, anywhere you listen to podcasts and, and Instagram is, is it, is just Jamie Sire? Yep. Just my name. Um, I mean, it's spelled a little bit, I mean, I'm sure you can see in the show notes how it's spelled, but it's J-A-Y-M-E-E-S-I-R-E on, uh, on Instagram. And you can see a lot of my, uh, food adventures there as well. Absolutely. Jamie, thanks so much. And make sure to subscribe to this podcast, Hot Takes on a Plate, wherever you listen to podcasts. That way you'll never miss an episode. Also, give us a rating. Five stars, of course. You can follow me <laughs> on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Rob Patron TV. Hot Takes on a Plate is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out at BLEAV.com. Until next time, ciao. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.